welcome to our verse-by-verse -verse journey through Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. The Gospel of Matthew serves as a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In this Gospel, Matthew seeks to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. For those of us who aren't Jews, Matthew helps us to see our Savior King more clearly and through his gospel, learn to live well in his, in Christ's kingdom today. So grab a cup of coffee, open your Bible to the gospel of Matthew, and let's learn about our Savior King and his kingdom. Turning your Bibles to Matthew 15, as we continue our study through the first gospel, in a series I've entitled, The Savior King and His Kingdom. We're going to open this time with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, we praise you for this opportunity to gather. And as we do gather, we, we, we want to lift up those who, you know, this time of year, people start, you know, they, you know, they deal with all sorts of stuff this time of year, and, and uh, sickness, and different things come, and so we just lift up those who aren't here because of some physical reason maybe, or they might be off traveling, visiting family, lots of reasons why. And so we lift them up to you, and we pray, Lord, for your touch upon them. I thank you, Lord, for those that are, that are watching online. I pray for your blessing over them as well. And Lord, as we open up your word, we want to open our hearts to what you want to say to us. Lord, whatever we, wherever we are in life, whatever struggles or uh, joys, whatever failures or victories, whatever issue or, or challenge might be going on in our lives, whatever fear or doubt or worry might be happening in our lives, that your word has a, has a message for us. And Lord, while every text doesn't address every single thing that's going on in our lives, Lord, there's, if we will just open our hearts to hear, you'll speak to us about something we need to hear. And so I pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray first for myself that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I might be your messenger this morning. And I pray for those that are listening or who will listen to this message. I pray, Lord, that their hearts would be open as well to hear what your church, what your spirit would say to your church um, this morning. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we're going to be looking at an account that is very similar to an account we've already looked at. It's very similar, but it's not the same. Uh, this morning, or in chapter 14, we looked at the feeding of the 5,000, the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. And this morning we're going to look at the miraculous feeding of the 4,000. Um, they are two different accounts, and they're different, they're similar, but they're different in, in many different ways. So let's pick it up in verse 29 of Matthew 15. Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on the mountain and sat down there. In the previous text, Jesus was in the area of Tyre and Sidon, and which on the western coast of Lebanon, he then travels all the way across Israel, back down into Israel, and then goes around the Sea of Galilee to the east side of the Sea of Galilee to an area that is called, is referred to as the, the Decapolis or the, the, the Ten Cities. And it's on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. So it's a pretty, pretty healthy walk um, across 
And the last time he was in this area, we, he had an encounter with a demoniac, the, 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 the man who had a whole bunch of demons in him. And uh, he cast those demons out into the herd of swine. The swine, you know, went crazy, ran down into the sea and, and drowned. And after that, all the people said, uh, okay, can you just like go? And, and, they, and he left. Well, he's back in the same area again, same basic area, probably not the same exact location, but in the basic area. And he has a different response from the people. Verse 30. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and they laid them at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. When Jesus was there the previous time, the man who had been delivered from the demons asked Jesus, can I come with you? And Jesus said, no. Go. Go to your family. Go to your friends and tell them what has happened to you. Now, we can't say with absolute certainty, but there's a chance that this multitude is the fruit of him doing exactly that. Or it could be that his, Jesus' reputation has just preceded him to this place. But people come to this deserted wilderness, that we're going to see later, it's referred to as a wilderness, to bring all of the people with issues to Jesus and to lay them at his feet. And then what did Jesus do? He healed every last one of them. It's natural. Yeah, you start getting to my age, and we talk way too much about our stuff, don't we? I got this ache. Oh my goodness, I just can't. You know, I'm, you know I got this ache. I got this thing. You know, we start talking about that stuff. I don't remember talking about that stuff when I was 20. Maybe because I didn't have that stuff back then. I don't know. But you know, when we start feeling less, whatever that might be, sick or we, we break something, we bruise something, we bend something, whatever it might be, we, 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 we will expend an enormous amount of energy and expense to deal with it, especially if there is pain involved. If there's pain, we will do anything to get rid of it, right? Am I, am I right? We'll, we'll get all the tests, we'll take all the medicine, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, you know, stick needle, get people to stick needles in us, we'll, I mean, some of the stuff that people do to get rid of pain and, and discomfort is amazing, while at the same time, neglecting the health of our soul. These people come to this wilderness. They bring the lame, the mute, the blind. And they lay them at Jesus' feet. The answer to all of our stuff, all of our issues, all of our concerns, all of our hurts, all of our whatever, whatever thing is going on inside of us, the answer to all of those is at the same place at the feet of Jesus. The feet that walked on water. 
can handle anything that comes into your life. If you've got a problem, if you've got an issue, if you've got something going on, whether it's physical or mental or emotional or relational or spiritual, we lay them at his feet. He has the answer for all of that. He has the solution. He has the, the healing for all of those things. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't go to doctors. Do not misunderstand me. I think, I think some of them are guessing pretty good at how to handle stuff. So, I have a really hard time trusting a doctor. He says, I know what your problem is. Yeah, I don't think you really do. I think you're guessing. You may be a better guesser at it than I am, but I still think you're guessing. Sorry, maybe that's my own issue. I'm just letting it out. When we struggle on something, we have got to remind ourselves. Because what, when those things start to happen, we have physical things. I, I, right now, I've been doing some physical labor, and my back is not happy about it. Not one little bit. And every time I sit or stand or bend or whatever, it reminds me it's not happy. And what does it do when we have pain? We have something like that. It, it redirects our focus, doesn't it? Doesn't, depending on how, how, how extreme it is, it will consume our focus. Our, our, we can't get our mind off of it, especially, I mean, we've got people watching online right now who are dealing with chronic pain. They almost can't sit still. They can't sit sometimes. And, and the pain is so intense that it just consumes the mind. The problem with the soul is you sometimes can't feel it. You can't sense when there's sickness there. You can't, you can't sense necessarily where there's weakness. You don't have the same kind of symptoms when your soul is not healthy. And most people, including many who are in the church, are blind to the fact that their soul is sick with one disease, sin. Now, as believers, we would like to believe that our soul is no longer sick, right? I have the cure. I have Jesus. I'm healed of my sin sickness. No, you're not. The thing about having Christ is you've been, you, your disease is no longer terminal. You're no longer going to die from that sin spiritually die from it, but we still have sin in us. As long as we're wrapped up in this flesh, there's going to be, we're going to battle with sin, and that disease is going to rise up. It's going to, and what, what is it called when, when, that, when those diseases, they kind of come to back to life again? What do they call that? Uh, recurring. It, it will recur and recur and recur. Now we'll have victory sometimes, and then other times we're going to struggle with it. It's just, it's just what life is. You know, we'll, 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 you know, pastors say, do not worry, because the Bible says do not worry. When? Ever. What do we do? We worry. Why is that? What is that? Go ahead and say the word out loud. What is it when we worry? Sin. Why do we do that? Because it's in us. It's in us. Our soul is sick with it. Having Jesus means it's no longer terminal, 
but it doesn't mean it's gone. It is something we'll battle with for as long as we're wrapped up in this flesh. And so we regularly need treatment for it, don't we? We need, we need repentance. We need confession. We need sanctification. We need, we, need phys- we might need some real healing sometimes. We come to something, we say, okay, I need help with this, and we need to lay it at Jesus' feet, and, and, and the only place we're going to get the kind of help we need is at Jesus' feet. We bring it to him, and he heals us from it. Other times, he makes us to do the hard work. You know, I go to my doctor, and, and you know, I say, hey, you know, this is going on with me. He's going to tell me three things. You know, get some exercise, lose some weight, and eat better. Well, why do I come to you if you're going to keep telling me the same thing over and over again? Because I'm not doing it. Right? And he's gonna, I'm going to keep doing it until I keep, start doing those things. That's the same answer. God's no different. Well, God's way different, but same kind of thing. There's certain things. You have to do the hard work. You know, by seeking God and walking with him in faith, according to his word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will minimize the effects of that sin that is in us. But you're not going to make it go away. You're not going to make, you're not going to, I mean, God can heal us of anything. We understand that. But there's always going to be something in there that we have to deal with. Now, the thing that we have to keep our mind open to, is there is no sin sickness that God cannot heal, that Jesus cannot heal. We can lay anything at his feet and he can heal us for it. We have to believe that because the moment you say, that's just who I am, that's how God made me, I can't do this, blah, blah, blah. You're not walking in faith. By faith, we can bring anything and lay it at Jesus' feet. There was nothing that they could bring to Jesus that he couldn't heal, including death. There's nothing that Jesus can't heal in our hearts either. We can bring our temptations, our lusts, our wrong desires, our wrong thoughts, our painful memories, our doubts, our frustrations, our guilt. We can bring all those things to him, our worries, our fears, our anger. We can bring all those things to him and lay them at at his feet. In our minds, we imagine ourselves bringing them right to the feet of Jesus and laying them down. And he can heal us. He can strengthen the spiritually weak. He can give courage to the fearful. And he can increase our faith. We just have to bring it. By faith, bring it to him and lay it at his feet. I'm reminded, just, just right in this very moment, I'm reminded of the account in the Old Testament where the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness and they were whining and moaning and complaining And God said, okay, I'll deal with this. And he sent poisonous serpents into the camp to bite them. And then they cried out, oh, no, we've sinned to Moses. And God told Moses, make a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and everyone who looks upon it will be healed. And I remember at one point when I was studying that or reading that, I don't remember what what I was doing, but the thought occurred to me, I wonder how many were lying in their tent in suffering because of what had happened. And somebody walked in, hey, if you just go look at that thing over there, you'll be healed. And they said, ah, that doesn't work. And then we're lost because of it. How many times do we fail to bring to Jesus the things that he wants to heal us of? But we have to bring them. 
We have to believe. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, Jesus says. Come to me. I almost imagine him begging us to come to him because he has for us that we, that something that we can get nowhere else. And if we come to him, he gives it to us freely, without reproach. How, how sad it must make him when we don't do that. So Jesus is there. He's on that hillside. And, and we're going to see in a bit that he does it for three days of healing people. Three days of healing people. Miracle after miracle after miracle. Did Jesus stop doing miracles? No. He's still doing miracles today. He's still healing people today. Now, we don't see this kind of thing going on where, you know, you, 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 know, you bring people, bring people right here, and, you know, and Pastor Rick will lay hands on them and heal. No, okay, don't do that. I mean, he could do it. But we don't see that kind of stuff. But he does heal people, physically heal people. We've seen it. Over and over again, we've seen it. But right now, the thing most people need it's not physical healing. They need spiritual healing. Jesus is still working miracles. Well, here he is. He's doing all these miracles. And naturally, the people are amazed at, at, at this power that's manifesting, this, this supernatural power. Verse 31, so the, the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking and the maimed made whole the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. We got we to gotta understand that this is Gentile territory. The last miracle, the last feeding of the 5,000 was also preceded by a day of, of healings, but it was almost primi primarily with Jews. This is all Gentiles. And they look at this, and they, and they, and they glorify the God of Israel, saying this is, this is something different. Most people coming to him are Gentiles, of which, unless you're a Jew here today, you are also in the category of Gentiles. Anytime you see God blessing the Gentiles, you all say, hallelujah, that's me. The miracles testified to something. That was one of the reasons why Jesus did miracles and did so many of them, was to, was to confirm or testify to the truth of his message that he was the Messiah, he was the promised savior of the world. <clears throat> you know, I love the fact that, that the account here tells us how the Gentiles responded because if we look back to the, to the response from the last time he did this, the response of the religious leaders when Jesus was doing the same exact things in Matthew 12, 22 said this, then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw, and all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? Could this be the Messiah? When the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. This is a reminder to us. I talked about it when we were in that section of Matthew we got to be so careful not to let our religion get in the way 
of what God is trying to do, either in us or in the world around us. Sometimes we let our religion just hinder the work of God. Now, there's a place for religion. James talks about that. There's a place for us to have a system of worship. But we've got to be so careful. That's not what it's about. It's about God. It's about Jesus. It's about, it's about his word. And we've got to be so careful not to let it get in the way. We've got to keep our eyes open to the things of God, even when they don't line up with the way we do things. You know, we look at certain people and the way certain people you know, worship God. Eh, that's, not, that's not right. That's not the right way to do it. And be careful. Be careful. You don't know what God's doing there. And if you don't know, if it's, out, if it's way out there, there are some things that people do that are just, just weird. But that's not, this, that's not the point of this message. Verse 32. Now, Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat, and I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Then his disciples said to him, where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? Now, if you're anything like me, you think, what? What did they just say? That is a very odd response from the disciples. Now, the time frame between the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000, it's a little uncertain exactly how much time passed. Maybe a couple of months, maybe? How do you forget a miracle like, and, and they all were right there watching as Jesus broke the bread and, and kept handing it to him and handing to them. They'd take it out, hand it out, they'd go back to Jesus, he'd hand them more. And it kept going on and on for hours, I'm guessing. How do you forget that? And this, that, that verse began with Jesus saying that he had compassion on them. You know, we don't base our faith on our emotions or our feelings. But there's a place for feelings and emotions. And we see over and over again, Jesus expressing his emotions, his feelings. And the one emotion that he expressed more than any other was compassion. And as we as believers need to see that as well, need to recognize that. Christ's mercy is limitless. Just like his love. But his disciples response is puzzling. Turn, if you will, to Mark chapter 8. Mark 8. How do you forget? Could they have forgotten what Jesus did just not that long ago? Maybe. But there's another account that happens here in Mark 8 that, that Jesus asked them a similar question of, of the one I just asked. In Mark 8, starting in verse 14... Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. They're, they're in a boat. They're crossing over to the other side of the lake and, and did not have more than one loaf with them in the 
boat. And so they're, they're talking and complaining about that. Then he charged them saying, take heed, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have no bread. But Jesus being aware of it said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it that you, you do not understand? You know, we, we got to be careful not to be too hard on the, on the disciples. It's impossible for, for us to put ourselves in their place. You can, you can turn back to Matthew 15. We're going to go right back. They have followed Jesus, witnessing one radical expression of his power, of his divine power after another. He has, done, he has done more things already in their, around them and through them. Every single day, it seems like something dramatic and, and radical is happening. He's you know, healing thousands and thousands of, of people of every conceivable thing, even the maimed, you know, missing limbs and things. He's healing them. Even raising the dead. Walked on water. You know, and he's preaching these sermons that are blowing people's minds. And at the same time, they've got the constant negative messaging of the scribes and the Pharisees. I can just imagine, these are fishermen. These are, these are common people that have been drawn in and caught up in this, in this, this movement, this, 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 you know, the Messiah walking, God in the flesh walking among them. It had to have been a little overwhelming to them. But still, how do you forget something like that? Verse 34, back in our text, reminds us to keep remembering what Jesus did. Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish, gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left. Now those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And he went away, and he sent away the multitude, got into the boat, and came to the region of Magdala. There's another just amazing expression of his divine power. This is, this is the same power that created the universe by speaking it into existence. He just made it happen. Twice it is recorded that Jesus fed, miraculously fed the multitudes. Once for the Jews, once for the multitude of Jews, once for the multitude of Gentiles. Now, even though Jesus came primarily for the Jews, he always intended to include the Gentiles. And for all of us, we should say what? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There should be some expression of praise because 
You know, he came for all of us. 1 John 2, 2 says this, and he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. John speaking primarily to the Jews there, but Jewish Christians, saying it's not just for us, and it's not just for, for, not even just for the Christians. He came for the whole world. And that word propitiation there. As the, as the meaning of, of substitutionary sacrifice, which is, a, which is a fancy way of saying Jesus died for our sins so that we don't have to die for our sins. Jesus took that place. By believing that, we are healed of the disease that is 100% contagious and 100% fatal to 100% of humanity. Sin. Every single human has it. And for every last one of them, it is contagious. It is fatal for every last one. In Romans 3.23, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The consequence, the result of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. By faith, we receive Jesus. We receive the free gift of forgiveness individually and the promise of eternal life. Now, now that that is a healing of the, the terminal nature of sin. No longer is sin terminal to us. We, we no longer fear death from that, the spiritual death, the separation from God. Jesus here in this text, he's healing thousands of people because there was a multitude left after he's done, so there, who knows how many thousands he's healed in this process. Throughout the time of his ministry, there's a countless number of people that he healed. There was nothing too hard for him to heal. He's still healing people today. And for some, it's going to be physical healing. For some are going to experience a, phys a miraculous physical healing from Jesus. But most of us need something else. Matter of fact, I would even challenge you and say all of us need something else. We all need spiritual healing. The power that Jesus used to heal the multitudes of their physical ailments is the same power that's going to heal us of our spiritual ailments. Now, if you're here today and you need physical healing, we're going to pray for that. And it's up to you to believe that Jesus heals. If you need a physical healing, you pray and believe. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to do it right now, but he could. I, I pray that he does. We've seen it happen. We've witnessed it happen in our church. Some of you might need, you know, Jesus to miraculously multiply your few loaves and a couple of fishes enough to supply the needs of your family. We're going to pray about that too. Believe. Believe that God can. Believe that Jesus can. But all of us, all of us have something we need to lay down at Jesus' feet. The multitudes who came to Jesus knew what they needed healed from, right? The lame, what did he need to be healed from? Lameness, 
the blind guy. Did the blind guy know what he needed healing for? Yeah, they all knew. They may not have been able to put a name on all of their issues, but they knew, I've got, I've got an issue, and it's messing with my life, and I want you to heal it. The spiritual ones are hard because sometimes we can't name them. Sometimes we can't even feel them. There's things that we have. There's things that are going on inside of us. There's things that are connected to that sin nature that will persist until we abandon this flesh and go to be with Jesus. There are things that are affecting us in a way that we may not even be able to perceive. In John 10.10, Jesus told us one of the reasons why he came. It said that I have come that they may have life, they being you and me, all who will believe, and they may have it more abundantly. God, God didn't create you just to exist. He didn't create you as something that was put in the world just to consume oxygen. He created you to be with him to be, to live a life that is good and rich and full. A life communing with him. A life declaring and projecting and, and reflecting the goodness and the holiness and the grace and the mercy of God. And all of those things are good. All of those things are an expression of this thing we call the abundant life. It's not about money. It's not about things. not about possessions. It's about the fullness and the richness of God manifesting out of us because it's in us, because of our relationship with him. But we've got something in us that gets in the way. It's that sin nature. And it's there. Maybe it's, not, maybe it's not flaring up right now. Maybe it's not recurring right this very moment, but it's there. And if you're, not, if you're not regularly treating it, it will get in the way of the abundant life. It'll get in the way of the reflection of the goodness of God manifesting from your life. If there's any sin sickness in our soul, it's gonna come out eventually. And it will hinder our experience of God and therefore the expression of the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. And before you say, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. I don't have anything to lay down at Jesus' feet. Hold on. Let me tell you what the Apostle John says to you, if you're thinking that. John 1, 8. John, 1 John 1, 8. John is speaking to believers. He says this, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Believer, we don't like to think about this. We like to think, I've got Jesus. I'm holy, especially holier than Chuck. <laughs> no, I'm not. Why don't you do this? Lift your arm up like this. Take two fingers and put it right here. If you're a believer here today and you have a pulse, guess what? You still got sin in you. You have things you need to lay at Jesus' feet. And you may or may not know what they are. You may not be able to say, you know what? I, I've, been, I've been dealing with worry. 
I, I, just, I just can't seem to stop worrying about things that are outside of my control. I just like, every time I think about it, my mind starts getting all tangled up. Or, you know, maybe, it, you know, it's anger. Who knows what? There's, there's just a, a billion different things that we could say, but we don't often think about them. But we've got to start by believing that what John said here is that, there, that, that if you say that you don't have anything, uh, you're deceiving yourself. You're just lying to yourself. You've got to remind yourself, there is something in me, and I may not be able to tell you what it is, but I know it's there. And so if you don't know what it is, you know who does? God knows. He knows exactly what's in your heart. And you go to him and say, God, I don't know. I don't know what's in me. If you do know, what should you do? <laughs> you need to do it. Lay it down at his feet. And you keep laying it down until he takes it away. Or he tells you what you need to be doing to take it away. But if you don't know, pray this prayer. This is a prayer of David in Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me or test me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David is saying, Lord, I may not be able to tell you what's in me, but I believe that there is. And I want to know what it is so that I can lay it down at your feet. God's mercy is infinite, never ending. His compassion is endless. He cares about every part of us. And he cares so much. He just wants us to be with him and to be whole. But to be whole, we need to be healed. Of what? Everything. But more, I mean, the physical stuff, okay. Yeah, we, we, we should pray about that. But the more important things are those spiritual things. If I have to sacrifice my health so that I can be closer to Jesus, then I, I should be willing to do that. And I don't know that God's going to ask me to do that. If I keep doing this work I'm doing out in the yard, he, I don't know what's going to happen. That's another whole story entirely. But if, if we want to be, we want to live that life that God created us for, it's going to be because we are bringing to him all the stuff that stands in the way of that life. And if we just bring it and lay it at Jesus' feet, say, Jesus, this, here it is, he'll take care of it. You know that he knows all of those things already, right? You can't bring him anything that he doesn't already know about. Matter of fact, you can't bring him anything that he didn't carry with him to the cross. And if he carried it to the cross, what should you do with it? Lay it down. Lay it at his feet. One last scripture and then I'm going to pray, and the worship team is going to come and do one last praise song with us. It's 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. We quote this one pretty regularly. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. 
How glorious is that? That, that, that? that God knows everything there is to know about you, and he's not, he is not offended by all of your failings and weaknesses and, and all the junk that you've got. He's not, he, doesn't, he knows it's all there. He still loves you with this amazing, never-ending love. And he says, I just want you to have the best life possible. Just bring all that garbage to me and lay it down. Why do we hesitate to do that? That's another message also. We're not going to get into it. But we're going to pray now. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts right now. And if you know there is something that you need to lay down at Jesus' feet, just in your mind, just picture yourself standing before him. And you lay it down. Lay it down. And believe that he wants to heal you. If you've got a physical thing and you need healing, in your mind, bring it and lay it down at his feet. If you've got anything in your life that you need healing for, you bring it and lay it down at Jesus' feet and believe that he's still healing today, just like he did on that mountain in the wilderness in, in, in this chapter, in this reading. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come and we thank you for your presence here today. And we thank you, Lord God, that that that. You are a healing God. Lord, we know that the only reason we need healing is because there is sin in the world, even sickness and disease and, and all the other things that go on in, in the normal course of human life. That, that they're not, it's not natural that you created us for something different. And so every time we, we have one of these physical things, you know, those multitudes that came to Jesus were experiencing things that shouldn't have been. But, but it's because there was sin in the world. And so we pray, Lord, if there's, if there's anyone here that has a physical thing, sickness or disease or, or any ailment that is just, is just there, and I'm, I'm, I'm in my own mind's eye, I'm, I'm seeing a number of people who are dealing with really serious things. Chronic pain and cancer and, and, and different injuries and ailments. And Lord, I, I know, Lord God, now that's, not, that's not because of their sin, that's just because there is sin. But Lord, you have a desire and you have the ability to heal. And, and we don't know if, if, if you're going to heal. But when we pray, we believe you can. And it's our will that you would. And so I pray if there's anyone here and they have that in their, in their mind's eye right this very moment that they would see themselves laying that thing down. And I know, I know as, we, as we talk about prayer, we know that sometimes we have to be persistent with prayer. And we pray and pray and pray and pray. We keep praying until you do something. And maybe this, for this, this is just one more time but we lay down and we remind ourselves that we believe that you can heal. And so we'll keep bringing it. We'll keep laying it down at Jesus' feet. And Lord, while we may have to do that over and over and over again, and while you know the people around us might wonder why we keep doing it, one of the reasons why I'm gonna keep doing it is because the place, I, the most amazing place in the universe is at your feet. It's where I'm going to know peace and hope and grace and mercy. And while I may not get what I'm looking for when I bring my stuff and lay it down at your feet, 
I do get a little bit more of you. And I'm going to praise you for that. I'm going to thank you for that. So we come. We lay these things down, Jesus, at your feet. And we pray. I pray that you would heal your people. And Lord, the, the text went on to tell us that you multiplied the loaves and fish. You met the need. You had compassion upon these people. Whether they believed in you or not, you had compassion on them. And so Lord, there are things that we need in our lives. It could be material things. It could be financial. It could be relational. Lord, we need you, we need you to multiply Lord, our, our little bit into something miraculous. And the same thing, we, same way we bring our illness and our disease and injuries, we bring those and lay them at your, we do the same thing with these things. We lay them at your feet, trusting God that you can multiply them and make them more, to make them enough so that, so that just as the people on that hillside were full, were satisfied, that you can do the same thing in whatever it is that we're bringing to you. You can make it full. So we ask that you would. And Lord, the reality is that every last one of us has something to bring to you. Something in our soul is not right. We know, God, that we're not everything we should be. We know that there is more. That you want us to be more like your son, Jesus. And so we... We, we, have, we have things that, 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 that we have no diagnosis for. We have no, we have no way to articulate what it is. But there are things there in our heart that don't belong there. And it's your desire, Lord, that even those things we don't know about, that you, we would lay them down at your feet and trust that, Lord, you would show it to us, that we might be able to repent of it and to be healed from it. And, Lord, for those things we know about, Lord, Lord, you expect us to lay those things down. And so I pray that you'd help us to do that right this very moment, that we would lay down all of that stuff, that even if we can't name it, even if we can't articulate what it is, that we just, we just acknowledge, we, come to, we bring ourselves and lay ourselves down and say, God, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I know, I know I'm, not, I'm not all that I should be. I'm not living the life the way that I should be, that there's more to this life than the way that I'm living it. And I want to live the more life. I want to live the abundant life so that I can experience it and that those around me can experience it as well so they can experience the fullness of your presence, the fullness of your grace and mercy and love and peace and hope and all the good things that you are, God. So I pray. Help us, God, to lay those things down, to lay ourselves down before you, that we might be healed of anything that's in us. And Lord, we know that it's not going to be a one-time thing. It's going to be a daily thing. It's going to be something we have to keep doing. We have to keep coming. We have to keep coming to, your, to where you are, Jesus, and lay those things down at your feet. And I'm so thankful, God. We don't have to wait till Sunday morning to do that. We don't have to wait for a building to do that. We can do that every time we think about it. We can do that while we're driving. We can do that while we're working. We can do that while we're doing whatever it is that we're doing in life. We can just bring, we can come right into your presence and lay that stuff down. And I pray, help us to do that, God. Help us to be a people that lives that abundant life 
And we're going to do it as you heal us moment by moment, day by day, and we become conformed more into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. You're going to do that. And Lord, if there's anyone here, anyone watching online who has never experienced Christ as their Savior, who's never humbled their heart before him, never repented of their sins, then these things are not available to you. It's only by faith in Christ that all of this is, is even possible. And so there's someone that needs to make that, that, that transition, that change, that confession to turn away from their sins and to turn to you, Jesus. I pray that you would help them to do that right this very moment. That they would pray a simple prayer like this one. Just, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin. I know that you came, you lived, and that you died on that cross for my sins. Please forgive me. Please come into my life and help me to live a life that is true and right. Help me to live the abundant life through faith in you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and for these people, and I pray for your blessing over them, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we learn more about our Savior King and His Kingdom in the Gospel of Matthew. It is our hope that these messages will help you grow in your faith. If you have any questions or there is anything we can do to help you with that, please do not hesitate to connect with us. Go to calvaryfv.com connect to find all the ways that you can connect with us. As Christians, we are all connected in Christ. One of the ways we would like to engage with you is in the area of prayer. Please let us know how we can be praying for you. Send us an email to prayer at calvaryfv.com or text the word pray to 951-419-5396. If this material has been useful to you, please share it with someone. Also, please pray that God would use these messages to help others find hope in Jesus Christ. You can also partner with us financially by going to calvaryfv.com give or text the word give to 951-419-5396. Until next time, go be radical with Jesus.